When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back for episode 103 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We have a jam-packed uh, episode uh, planned for today. Um, we have a new segment uh, from The Athletic that we're going to bring in. Um, it's called The Article of the Week. We, we pick an article and we kind of talk about it. So uh, we also have uh, a bunch of topics to go over. And uh, Josh Bemis joins me in the second hour for our uh, weekly prospect talk. So... Uh, let's just get started. Uh, Court and Rob, um, hopefully you guys had good weeks. I know Rob was not feeling very good. How are you doing now, sir? I'm feeling better. I think it's just fucking uh, a bit of flu. And then drop an F on there? No, no. That was under the breath. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good. That sucks, I just, Like, I always try it. Like, if you're a kid and you're listening to this, if you don't feel well, you go into work no matter what. Uh, and, yeah, I went into work and felt like I was going to pass out and then got told to go home. So, yeah, not good. If you listen to this, you don't go into work because then you get everybody else sick. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> then yeah. you're that guy. Yeah. That's right. That happened for like a month and a half in, in uh, August and September. I was just so miserable with the, the runny nose and the sneezing. And then 
it went through the shop like like wildfire, but now it seems to be all settled down. But Court, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I am good. I'm good. I was at a wedding last night. Uh, my cousin got married. Uh, I watched a bit of the game on my phone. Nice. Um, I tried my best. I listened to the radio on the way home. Like, uh, listened to the game on the radio on the way home. So, good. But it was a good wedding. It's a good time. Good. Congratulations to to the uh, the married couple. Yeah, sucker MC. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's just get started with uh, talking about last week's games. Um, not very good, in my opinion. Uh, Probably won't touch on a lot of this, but on Wednesday the 17th, they lost to the Calgary Flames on the first game of their four-game Canadian road trip. Back-to-back game on uh, Thursday the 18th, they lost to Edmonton in overtime. And last night, October 20th, they lost to Vancouver 2-1 uh, to one in overtime again. And they round off this full game trip in Ottawa on Tuesday, October 23rd. So any, any cause for concern this early in the season? I, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. I mean, the standings right now and in the Atlantic, the Bruins are sitting third after eight games with a four, two and two record, 10 points, only two points behind leading uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. So for me, still early, I'm, I, I'm basically going on what happened last season. I'm, you know, if I'm not saying a pass, but I'm more or less going to say I'm going to be patient until at least December. You know, I'm not going to freak out or anything like that. Like some people are doing after eight games. It's just, I don't know. That's just me though. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Risty start, all that kind of stuff. Both goaltenders not showing up. Um, and it's just one of them things. Like I was talking to court before and just saying, it's just the communication, like between young players. It's just not there right now, and I'm sure it'll get drilled into them. So, I give it another month or so, and if nothing happens, then you're probably looking at a trade. Yeah, the only cause for concern I see is already. Um, it's kind of funny. Everybody in the summertime was like, "Oh, we've got too many defensemen." Guess what? We don't. Uh, injury bug hit again. Seems to be hitting the same two guys every year: Krug, McAvoy. That's one of my biggest concerns. I, I know we're going to talk on it later about McAvoy, but uh, concussion, hurt last year. Well, it hasn't been confirmed that it's concussion, but it sounds like it is. It's just a lot of injuries in the back end. And uh, Kevin Miller, as uh, Rob said to me yesterday, and I 100% agree with him, he was the one guy I was more worried about. I'm like, dude, he's been playing besides the Bergeron line, the most consistent out there. Yeah. yeah and, you know. And Rob alluded to goaltending wasn't uh, neither goaltender has looked good as much as uh, some of the fan base would like to think differently. Neither one of them have looked well at all. No, they haven't. No, Halak's had one good game. Um, I'd say Rask has had two good periods. Um, It's about it. Like it's not good. And you know, I felt really bad. You know, we got Yerho's first game last night and first shift. He uh, Rob even pointed out, and I watched it again while uh, waiting here. Yeah, he points, and I, he communicates with Grizz about the player, and it looks like Grizz just, I don't know, didn't hear him, I guess. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And uh, Sutter scores what I could probably say is the ugliest goal so far this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. 
I felt like he was just like it was uh, a bullfighter, and uh, Halak was just like "Olé." It was woof, woof. Yeah, the goaltending yeah. goaltending has been subpar so far. Oh yeah, both you goaltenders. Know, they both, and we, I'm not. We've already discussed that we're not going to get in on this whole on this whole thing because we seem to do it on a week to week basis. But yeah, you know, it, it it that's one area of concern for me is just those guys got to tighten up. And the guys in front of them obviously have to support those those two too. So it's it's it, it, it's I'm not gonna blame any individual. This is this is a team effort all the way. And you win and lose as a team, and sooner or later, like I said, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt about the schedule and how early it is in the season. But you know things do have to change, and chemistry will be made. I'm I'm just not ready to to hover over that panic button just quite yet, but. Um, well, didn't uh, didn't Char say we're hanging our goaltenders out to dry? Yeah, specifically, Absolutely. it was like we're we're terrible, and and it's and it's it's a shame because you know you have the one line that's playing well, and the rest of them are chickens with their heads cut off, and all these young kids that everybody thought were saviors that obviously aren't uh, playing the two way game that Cassidy wants, to say the least. For sure. Like, People, I, the, the stuff I saw on social media when Bacchus got, because I didn't see the play, Bacchus gets hit, I guess. People were, like, cheering on it. Yeah, that should, was, be ashamed of, should be ashamed of themselves. That was that was crazy. I don't don't ever, like, cheer on an injury to a player. It doesn't matter what team he plays for. Um, and I mean, and Matt, then he, doesn't, he doesn't play last night and everybody's happy about it. I'm like, you shouldn't be. He's actually played well. It doesn't, yeah. not getting on the score sheet doesn't mean you're the best player on the team. Exactly. There's other areas of the game that you can excel at. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, well, that's sometimes that's Bruins Nation. It's just they can be complete, you know, geniuses sometimes. They can be complete whack jobs the other. Um, but I mean, the upcoming week doesn't look so bad. I mean, the only game that I'm really concerned with, and I mean, they, we should be able to beat Ottawa on Tuesday the 23rd. I, I'm hoping so. <laughs> But then going into uh, two games in a row uh, at home against Philly on the 25th and, and Montreal on the 27th, which is obviously going to be a big game. Montreal's um, played well. Yeah. And, and, and it was Ottawa, though. Yeah, two surprises right there. And uh, Philadelphia is, is, is uh, at a 4-4 four and four record, so uh, in the 2-2 two two on the road, 2-2 two two at home. So, I mean, there are points to be made here. It's it's just how this team wants to take the two days off before the Ottawa game, and kind of get some chemistry going, if if at all possible. I mean, they took a big dent on that defense, um, uh, being cut out. You know, Miller and McAvoy bring in. You know, Camper plays his first game last night. Eurovac yeah, neither. Eurovac only played twelve minutes, and Camper only played sixteen. So that tells you a lot that Cassidy was like, yeah, no. Yeah, we gotta you gotta favor the people. That, I mean, the players that he can really, really trust, and that, obviously the veteran core. Mind you, the Bruins did have three power plays, so Yurho's not going to get out there, right? You're going to have Grizz out there. So, with the upcoming schedule, um, there's still plenty of tickets available at Seat Giant. You can get your tickets for Tuesday's game at SeatGiant.ca and the Philadelphia game and. Uh, Montreal game at home at TD Garden. You can get them at SeatGiant.com. Use promo code BNGP to save yourself a little money. Um, what do you guys think about the upcoming schedule? Do you, I mean, 
Any any predictions or concerns moving forward? I don't like Ottawa. <laughs> I think they're one of them teams, like I was saying last week, um, yeah, it's one of them teams where they've got a lot of speed, a lot of skill. People have put them down for being so young, but again, that's the way teams are rebuilding on the fly in the NHL right now. Um, I mean, Chicago's been doing it for so long it's unbelievable where they just bring in young guys that you never heard of before and all of a sudden they train them away for first round picks so um, yeah I, I just think they're going to be tough games I think every game this season is going to be tough this is this is the most competitive league it's been for a long time so I wouldn't say there's any easy games out there I 100% agree. I'm tired of hearing it's a gimme game or um, people were saying about this road road trip that they should be uh, getting, you know, four out of six points. And I'm like, OK, uh, people not looking at it. it's a three hour time difference. You're uh, you're going to be playing uh, three games in four nights. Like it's a little aggressive and every team seems to have a chance to win. The Leafs, the 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 God, of, you know, the Stanley Cup champs, according to half the people around the NHL and the Toronto. Um, they scored one goal in two games and looked terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was very surprised about that. Uh, even though it's early, um, all teams, I mean, we still have a chance no matter what. I mean, um, I'm not sure about Detroit or anything like that at the bottom of the, oh, of the they're uh, really bad. but, um, yeah, I mean, it's it just gotta, they just gotta dig deep and find it. You know, um, it's that next man up mentality. Uh, going through a couple injuries right now, and you know you just gotta support each other in the way that you know they really did last year, especially with the younger group. And I really hope that you know a sophomore jinx isn't isn't coming into play. I, I really don't like to say that, but um, you know players moving forward in the development, like Jake Dabrowski and McAvoy's and and, and Corrales and all these guys, they're all you know getting their second years and and. You know, they, they just have to be better supporting players, in my opinion. And I'm not downing them at all and saying they're terrible. It's just they, they have to be a little bit better. And, the, and that goes for the whole team. But I felt DeBrusque has played well. He just hasn't been able to get the puck in the ocean. It is what it is. But th- my biggest concern is the one that, you know, his, his poop don't stink lately is uh, McAvoy. Maybe it's because maybe I said it on I said it on uh, social media. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe he did get hurt in that Edmonton game because he just hasn't looked right. Right. Like he hasn't really had a good game. He's getting beaten. He's getting beaten onto the puck a lot. And talking about uh, DeBrusque, I think he saved the Bruins. Well, he got the Bruins a point last night because he made a pretty big save in that last, I think it was 20 seconds before it went to overtime on that scramble near the net. Mm-hmm. He He's played well like off the puck. I think he's, he's been good on the puck. He's just not had the look. He's a bit snake bitten, but off the puck, he's been one of the better guys on the team, I think. He's now, definitely paid his part. Do you, do you guys think that DeBrusque game is, is is he's playing well, but he's kind of getting snake bit on the score sheet because he's playing on his off wing now that Nordstrom's on the second line. I, I don't think it's the off wing thing. I think it's just he's playing a different role than he was last last year. 
I think if you put Pasternak on that line and put him back on the left, even though it's going back to his natural position, I think he'd do better because he'd have a he'd be playing the role that he played last year, where he's the main scorer on that line. Right. And I I just don't think he is at the moment. I think they're trying to use him as more of a he's done so well on the boards that I think they want to use him as more of a puck retrieval guy like Lucic used to play. Ooh, just, I just, anytime I hear that name. <laughs> yeah, but he plays a very similar way. Like he'll he'll pancake a guy into the boards and get the puck back. And this season he's been trying to feed whoever's coming down the centre. Um but it's just not come off for him yet. I, I think after another 10 games, I think we'll be saying a very different thing about him because I think he's trying a lot more than a lot of other people are trying. Yeah, it's the beginning of the year. It's yeah. There should be no cause for concern yet, but, uh, you know, the Vultures seem to be out already. It is what it is. Everybody's allowed to fandom their own way. Exactly. Some people just like to uh, freak out a lot, and it is what it is. As, as I'll go back to it a million times. As Jack Edwards said when he uh, when he got interviewed by uh, the guys over at uh, CBC during the playoffs last year, Boston's a spoiled sports town. Yeah, exactly. They're just used to good teams. So when a team doesn't play to being perfect, the sky's falling all the time. Uh, speaking of spoiled, um, we we were definitely spoiled with the with probably the best line in in hockey in the past couple of years and. Um, with uh, Marshan, Bergeron, and, and Pasternak, uh, they've been playing well, even though that the season's been in like an up and down roller coaster with with uh, roles being switched, like like a turnstile, but uh, or positions being switched. Um, my my biggest concern is 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 the lack of scoring below that first line, and other other players need to step up in that area because. I just I, I kind of get the feeling that this Bruins team needs more support on the second, third, and fourth when it comes to offensive production to make up for possible mistakes that the defense and the goaltending can give up. So, I mean, you always want to score as much as you can and get ahead of the game because if you make a mistake, you you know you you're still in decent shape. But lately, it's just first line and then absolutely nothing. And I think Court, you touched on. Um, David Krejci's the only person with with two points above. Rob two, did. Rob, Rob did. did. Rob touched on the point that uh, that Krejci's uh, got over two points, and that is the highest on everybody else from line one down, and that that needs to change. Yeah, I think that has changed now because Nordstrom scored that goal. Oh, but remember Nordstrom's terrible according to half the fan base. I, yeah. I actually I- like him. Yeah, I said that yeah. those those two out of him and Wagner were two guys that I thought were going to jump up and down the lineup and do very well. But um, I think Wagner's found his home on that fourth line and there's no moving him from there. No, he's played well. Yeah, I think that fourth line is probably one of the more consistent lines off the puck. I think they've done really well defensively. And Cassie rewarded Wagner with some uh, penalty kill time. Yeah. And I'm surprised that they're not giving those guys, like, the guys that I see trying, like, really hard, I'm surprised that aren't getting, like, a little bit of power play time. 
I really thought that they'd just start throwing people in there. Well, he threw Carlo out in the uh, three-on-three overtime. I was in shock, probably just as much as anybody else. They want him to jump more into the play, and I guess it's the beginning of the year, and he's like, what the heck, let's see if it works. But those those line changes, like the last three games, those line changes were absolutely disgusting. Like, no team should change like they have. Like that one last night in the in OT, it, just why? Why when Martian's <laughs> trying to dangle someone on the center spot, do you try and change? I don't know. Don't get it. Yeah, the turnovers have been tough lately. Yeah, there was one with a minute to go in last night's game as well, where half the team decided they were going to change lines, even though they were rushing into the zone. It was not a good idea. No, nah, because that opens up that stretch pass to, to just create an instant offense right there and, and possibly yep. end the game. Well, they nearly did if it wasn't for uh, DeBrusque. Yeah. So was was not good. What no, about... I'm, I think I've been lucky not to watch half these games and only do the recaps. Yeah. The um, What about the uh, McAvoy-Miller injuries? Um, I know we're not doctors or anything like that and time tell timetables, but um, obviously it, it sucks having two, the, two players like this uh, being subtracted uh, due to injuries, but uh, what does it do f- for players like Euro and, and, and like Camper who got into his first action. They both got in their first action uh, last night. Um, hopefully these are not long injuries. Hopefully these are precautionary things. But for me, if it was precautionary, I think they still would be on the road. But obviously these injuries got these two players back in Boston. So that to me, it reads a little more into that these might be a little more significant than some people are, are reporting. Yeah, um, it's one of them I've I've always said, and I think all of us have always said on here, all the Bruins say when there's an injury is, oh, we'll know more in a few days. And you never hear anything for about a week. So it's got to be something if they sent them all the way back to Boston. You don't send someone back if nothing's wrong at all. So uh, I'm guessing we'll find out probably... In three or four days, what's actually wrong? Maybe even more. And I day. think, yeah, and I think it's going to be, for me, it's more of an issue if Miller's out for a long time because he's really steadied that decor, especially him and Carlo on the penalty kill. I think you need that all this season. Definitely. Yeah, I think Carlo's uh, played extremely well so far this season. But with these injuries, I don't know if McAvoy does have a concussion. Uh, and him going all the way back, and I'm just speculating here, makes me think he does. Uh, it could be bad. If he starts having head problems and concussion problems, it's yeah. going to be really bad for the back end. Yeah, definitely cause for concern there. Um, you know, even, even though this, this, this organization does have some really good depth players um, in the team and on in the developmental system, um, a loss like that is, is never good. Um, and hopefully, you know, he recovers quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that this blue line just, you know, every un- year, yeah, every year, I know it, it, it's either, uh, the beginning of the season or it's the end of the season. It's just the, this injury bug is just constantly, 
uh, hovering over this franchise. And I mean, it, it's unfortunate and it happens, but I, I just, you know, more or less, I'm just thinking like long term. I really don't want to see any of these players that that you know suffer through certain types of injuries or, or any injuries at all, for that matter. But you know, I just hope for the best for them, and, and hopefully this team just tightens up together. I, I really want to see this team like get so much chemistry because they have they have so much potential. They really do. Uh, we saw it last year. It started off a little rough and then picked it right up and ended with a 112 point season. So. I, mean, I really want to see that happen again, um, and and we they went through trials and tribulations with injuries last year too. So um, there's, there's nothing nothing saying that they can't do the same as they did last year, but obviously tough. And people need to understand that trades aren't going to fix everything. And if they are going to make a big trade, somebody that somebody loves on this roster will no longer be here. Yeah, I know that's unfortunate too. I mean, it is what it is. That's that's part of the business. Yeah. But, but, the know, only that. thing that's really good is you've got what Danton Heiner and Ryan Donato and Anders Bjork that are pretty much trade bait and looking and I really would, good I would trade for teams. Donato out of the three of them. Yeah, but they're, they're looking really good for teams. As like people are forgetting, these guys are like twenty years old. I think Heinen is twenty two, maybe. Yeah, like that's still young for a forward like stupidly young so there's upside to all them guys you probably get quite a bit back for them especially when it when you're not looking for picks i think picks are more valued than anything now so if if you're looking for the right guy then i i honestly think the better off going out and getting an older guy and i know people are going to hate that but i think that's what you need right now that communication needs to get back to what it was last season and if you bring on an older guy that's probably not having a great time with their team uh then it, it's all good like i'd love to have someone like uh brown from la but not on his cap hit Jesus oh god Christ. but okay. a guy right? like that like that, have a guy really like that on head. the team that that's what they need though they need some hard-nosed guy who's gonna come in it's a bag of pucks though boss He's people done. around He's been playing pretty we well. Have, we have Brown. We have David Backus. You yeah, don't need but, another one. Well, you don't have David Backus right now. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is what I mean. You need you need some veterans who are going to push people around, put them in place, tell them where they need to be. Because it's all right, it's all right going roster. young. We have it's a all right going roster. young, but it's it's not good going too young. There's a I'm veteran this roster right now that, it, to me... Has got this season, and that's it. Otherwise, I just have had enough, and that's David Krejci. I, I'm just at, I'm at the boiling point almost with this guy. I, I'm tired of the excuses that I need line mates and all this kind of stuff. He is not playing well. Yeah, I think I think the the better option for them to move him will probably be after this year when his, his list of uh, clubs gets um, wider. There's a wider range of, of places that he could possibly be moved uh, pending a and, uh, and he's. And he's a vet that's not playing well. Yeah. But uh, I think it's time to do our new um, Black and Gold Hockey podcast segment uh, where we we look at the Athletic uh, website, which is a, a fantastic website that I, I subscribe to, just started subscribing to this summer or over the summer. And 
what we're going to do is uh, the week prior, we're going to pick an article from either uh, Joe McDonald or Fluto Shinzawa and, and just talk about one article per week and what comes out, what sticks out at us. And, and um, this week, uh, Joe McDonald uh, wrote a really, really good piece about three-on-three uh, -three training, uh, short ice drills, uh, that, that Bruce Cassidy has really brought in and, and aggressively been using at practices and, and camps and so on. Um, I, I like this especially because when I first started going to training camp under the, uh, the Claude Julien regime, you really didn't see this much. Um, and I remember sitting next to a fan saying, oh, I really hate these. These, are such, they, these have no use at all. This is what, these are what kids do in, in youth hockey and blah, blah, blah. But there are some huge benefits to this. And Joe McDonald uh, definitely wrote down and, and had a conversation with, uh, with Bruce Cassidy about it. And he said that uh, small area games have become the norm at most professional and college level practices over the last decade. Uh, small area games, game-like drills uh, conducted in, on a reduced portion of ice are designed to help maximize the development of certain skills, including puck, move, puck support, movement, and reaction in tight spaces. Um, Cassidy said that, I've always enjoyed it. The Bruins uh, coach said, for two seasons, as a player, you like them. It's comp competition. You play with the puck, it's a game. You're not doing a drill. It's not a system. You're playing hockey. I think it helps create offense. And you're learning the give and go. And you're learning to protect the puck. And that is all well said. And, and after like watching a lot of these lately, it is fun. Because it, it, it's not, you know, I remember, you know, doing the Herbies back in school and so on. When you just, you just skated your bag off and, and, it really wasn't fun at all. Certain drills like this, uh, they, it brings creativity. It brings um, commun more communication in a tighter space, which in the end result is all good for everything, whether it be strength training, uh, you know, how, how to think on the ice in, in, in split second decisions. Very important drill. And, and, I'm glad that they're doing this because it is translating a lot more, like Joe said in his article about uh, for the past decade, a lot more teams are doing this more and more. Yeah, and it it's that fast-paced style. Like, every team is playing that now. And uh, it just, it tires you out so much, like skating half a rink all the time. And when you need to play... Like you talk about players that can play in big game situations, well, that that really helps because players have to learn to like think in a split second, not like on full ice, and practice isn't contact like it is in a game. But when you start playing them small games, it gets so competitive that players are playing full pace and they are like playing rough in the corners and everything. I think it makes a team a lot more of a team playing like that. I think it's uh, you learn a lot more from a player when you play against them like that, and especially when they're on your own team. And, it, and it's also showing Cassidy what these guys can do. A lot of times, and so far this season, um, people have been 
extremely questioning his roster decisions and maybe he's seeing something in practice that we're not seeing. We're not there. We don't know what's going on. He's treating them like games, uh, as the article was pointing out. So he's going to see different aspects of these guys and these guys are going to be playing against the Bergeron Marchand line, the best line in hockey. And what better experience can they get by doing that in practice? Oh, absolutely. And if, if nobody has actually really seen these, um, you know, translate, uh, at, at camps or practices, each net is moved to an opposing blue line, uh, for the three-on-three battle, if a puck goes past either blue line, a coach puts a new puck in play, continues for the length of the normal shift, which is usually 45 seconds. So this is this is just good repetitive um, training and, and, and skill building uh, on, on a practice basis that, that, that can translate to, you know, what you do on a line on open ice and, and – your decisions might be a little longer than these, these short ice tournaments, but it, it's still it's still good for all, everything. And I, I I know that a lot of people just didn't like it because they don't they don't think it's it's good. But you know, coaches uh, Cassie explained that coaches didn't like to do them as much because they they were thought as a, it was a reward. Well, I think it is a reward now to get all that complete training into into one small little uh, like drill. Yeah, like when you play hockey when you're younger and you get to play them scrimmages, I think that's that's more what they mean by a reward. Because I know I used to hate having to do all the drills, but as soon as you got like a good game of like three on three or five puck, anything like that. It was just, it was fun to play. Like you didn't feel like you were practicing as much. Everything came a bit more natural. You tried things you didn't try before because you didn't think the coaches were going to get too annoyed if you made a mistake. So stuff like that, I can see why some people think it would be a reward. But it's it's definitely like you can do all the drills you want, but if you don't play a game situation like that, you don't really get the full amount out of your training and i think it's really good to do stuff like that a lot more because if you do it in small bursts it's it doesn't really stick in but i can tell why it's uh it's definitely helping the bruins because look at the like situations where they get a how many two-man rushes have they had this season or th- three on ones even um they seem to be a lot faster than they used to be a couple of years ago and you end up working harder you end up skating harder in a scrimmage because you want to do better. Yeah. When you're doing drills, you half the time you just don't want to be doing them. When you're fooling around and you're playing with the puck a bit, you'll end up uh, learning something more. Yeah, and and oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, well, uh, even a player like Matt Grizzlick, who's who's got speed and decent transition um, capabilities, uh, he said uh, to uh, in an interview with Joey Mack. Uh, it can be tough to have those quick, hard shifts. It's more beneficial than getting um, skated at the end of practice. It's more enjoyable for kids as well. He's like, guys at this level are able to know what they're doing, that they're going to do with the pucks. So small area games help you adjust that speed. Uh, if they have more time and space, they'll they'll hold on to the puck a little bit longer. But when it it's combined space... You've got to make uh, plays a lot quicker and and 
def definitely translates into today's game. So there's it's, it's absolutely huge benefits to it. I, 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 my favorite thing is, is puck protection uh, and, and getting it off quick. I mean, the, in these certain games, when I've been to development camps and, and, uh, and in rookie camps and training camp, um, you, you see a lot more like one-timer plays because it's that, that split-second decision. Uh, I know Bjork was having a huge, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sorry, not Bjork, because he didn't, he didn't participate. Um, who else? Like Debrusk, he, he's a big one that has a has a quick release, uh, good eye and eye coordination. So, um, and it's good for the defenseman. I mean, even Kevin Millar was saying something in this article about how much better of uh, maneuverability he's been able to do with these uh, short ice training. So it helps everybody. I mean. It even helps the goaltending on on uh, reaction time because I mean blue line to blue line there is really not a lot of space to to you know to to make a mistake and and you got to get up quick position yourself square yourself to the puck and be ready for any situation. Yeah, and like doing that as a goaltender as well, your mind's got to be constantly focused on whether there's a shot coming because yeah. guys can rip it from the behind their own net. Um, I know when I used to do it as a goaltender, that was the one thing that used to help me in games. If you start to blow someone out and you're not taking shots, you go back, like your brain goes back to that sort of training. You're like, right, this guy could just rip it from the halfway line and I'll, I'll not be ready. So like you, you tend to get your head more in the game from stuff like that. Yeah, and um, if if anybody out there would like to get access, if you, if you already have an athletic a subscription, good on you because it's really good writing from a, from hundreds of I mean writers from all different sports. Um, I got my subscription over the summer because I wanted to get a little more involved and and you know less aggravated at some websites. But um, if you go to theathletic.com/slash/black-and-gold-pod. Uh, all uh, lowercase, very sensitive. Um, you can get the athletic subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups, and no uh, autoplay videos. And that's one thing that really aggravates me when going to a website is how long the web page takes to load because everything else is trying to load with it. So you don't get that here. And you're also not getting the... Uh... The typical goalie controversy or this player is playing terrible article every two seconds, especially an example of the article we, we all used this week was the Cassidy article, which I didn't see anybody else putting anything such like that out of the uh, the other media outlets. Yeah. And yeah. The, like Joey McDonald and Fluos and Zauer are the uh, Athletic Boston. I definitely recommend you guys follow them. Uh the coverage goes beyond game recaps and trade speculation to provide smarter analysis and a deeper perspective about teams in the league. Subscribers have access to local and national content with more than 650 to 700 news stories published every week across the sports. Um, go to theathletic.com slash black and gold pod and, and, and subscribe for under $3 right now by going to that link. And it's like two ninety nine dollars per month. That is a huge savings. Like I said, you don't get all the, 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 the pop-ups. Um, you get really good coverage from, like, uh, national coverage from Craig, Craig Custins, who's uh, the uh, podcast host for the Full 60, does a great job over there. And you also get 
another another great national coverage from Sean McAdoo. Uh, down goes Brown, uh, recent uh, athletic hire. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's huge. It's beneficial. Like I said, Joey Mack and 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 Fluto do a, such a great job, and and it's really in depth. And you know, there's no there's no like. Like these, these two guys can go in such long articles to get their point across, and they're not, they're not under corporate strings to stay under uh, at five hundred or a thousand words. These guys go right in depth, and they have the ability to do that. So, uh, again, please, if you want to save up to forty percent, please go to theathletic.com/slash/black-and-gold-pod and sign up today, and 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 get get in the know like so many other people are. And and we're also very happy to to be uh, in partnership with the athletic for a little while, and and we're going to see how things go. So um, we'll be doing these uh, a lot more often in any upcoming weeks. Um, getting back to our our uh, agenda, um, what about Chara's play, his leadership role, in in what could be his last year in a Bruins jersey? I'm, I'm just saying that because. The, just the way things are lined up, I don't see him coming back. But if they if he does come back, there's you know there's there's always a reward and always a reason for it. So, what do you guys think about his play so far this year? Uh, I think he's been good. Um, the only problem is I don't think he has the team that he's had many years where he's got other guys down the lineup that he can rely on. Uh, but I, I think he's doing a good job. Uh, I'm hoping to see less of him on the penalty kill and not be as tired this season. But I I think for his age and everything, everyone always used to praise Yaga for how old he is and how well he plays. So I think people will be talking about Char a lot this season. I think Char has played decent. Um, he hasn't been bad. It's not like I'm going out there and looking. I'm like, oh, geez, get Char off the ice. Um, as long as he's contributing, I have no problem with it there. I've said it before. I'll say it again. His stick is better than half the players in this league on defense. So at, at his age, he's a specimen. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more that he can do better to these younger players that are especially coming in now with, with injuries. Um, you know, it's, it's a nice, nice, um, a leader to to approach when you have questions like you know, I'm sure Eurovacaninen is 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 acting like a sponge and just soaking up as much as he can he can get from not only Chara but other members like John Moore and and uh, and Grizzlick and and these people that have been around the team for a little while so um, I, you know I, I I always hope the best for him I, I like Chara as a player and so on but to me it's it's I I like player and I like business. So, I mean, for me, if this team really wants to make an impact and get that player, like, you know, everybody seems like we need, and I know we do need, we need that additional scoring in any other line except for the first line. So um, I, I just think if you're going to do it by free agency next summer, you, you need his cap space, and I wouldn't entertain bringing him back. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. It's just my opinion. But... Who knows? I mean, I'm not behind the closed doors and, and the decision makers, so. Yeah, well, it all depends on what his price is as well. I mean, what was it this year? 4.5? 5. Ah, oh, 5. Um, 
still, like, it it just depends. Like, maybe the guy takes three million next year, so they can get that guy in free agency. Who knows? Well, not maybe even that. they're they're already saying McAvoy's camp is looking for Ekblad money. What did Ekblad get, Court? I will tell you in a sec. I think didn't he get six point five seven something like that? I don't think I, you know, I don't think McAvoy's worth it. But uh, right now, the way he's played, uh, yeah, not right now. No, I don't think he's played. I don't think he's earned that contract. Uh, if he's injured again this year, that's two two seasons in a row with injuries, um, and his play hasn't warranted that kind of dough. I mean, Ekblad was having, like, Norris Trophy-type years. Not like, I mean, voting-wise, not winning it. But I don't think McAvoy's had that yet. And he's only played the two seasons as well, so... Don't get me wrong, McAvoy's awesome. But, uh, I don't know, he isn't... Sorry, my internet is just not... There we go, Florida. So, right now... His cap hit is 7.5. See, that's that would be a no from me if I was making that decision. I mean, you, he can say 7.5 all he wants, but it's going to come down to at least 6. But, but here, well, it's going to be more than that because here's a perfect example of an overpayment, but that's the way that the ball bounces. Keith Yandel, 6.3. Thank God they dodged a bullet on him and Kovalchuk, oh, eh? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. there was some bullet dodging there. Um, but yeah, six point three you got for Yandel. So yeah, I guess Ekblad money is, you know, hopefully they can get him for seven, six point five, in between there. Yeah, it's, I mean, lately, lately with 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 contracts like this, it's it's who's setting the market, you know, because from now on, if you play like McDavid or Matthews, you know. Well, put it this way. Austin Matthews is, is a contract year this year. You know he's going to be comparable to Connor McDavid. Oh, he's going to ask for 13. Yeah. 13 million. So the market is just constantly getting, you know, overleaped and overleaped, and people are asking for more money, and then, you know, all these arbitration hearings start coming into play because, you know, when, I, I've never been to an arbiter meeting, but if you, from what I've heard is it's it's not about – points and this and that it's about well i did the same thing as that guy did last year i heard that on a podcast i'm not that's not my own thing but well look at it this way here's a perfect example of the market getting poo-pooed on tom wilson signed a five million dollar deal when he is not (laughs) worth that kind of money and that's the reason you've got a guy like nylander sitting back and sitting back home going yeah i want eight million washington's paid a bum five million dollars a year right and i'll say it a bum the guy's a bum and he's out a quarter of the season, so way to go, Washington. Talk about uh, bums. What did I say to you before about um, Dorset from Vancouver last night? Uh, yeah, D- Derek Dorset. Yeah, did you see the push against uh, Vakanine and during the goal? I must have. You gave him a give a give Vakanine a good cross check to the bottom of the back into. Uh, Yaroslav Halak after the goal. What a lovely guy that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't get why these guys are still in the league. Like, well, we got one on our team that's done anything this year so far, but he's done some dumb stuff. Oh yeah, but I mean that guy. At least he has 
quite a bit of skill about him. And he's on a line that's called the best line in hockey, so you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just I'm not a big fan of the guys that are just known for stuff like that. Uh, jumping back on the defense, I, I want to talk about Brandon Carlo's game this season. Uh, it is a contract year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, it is. So he is will be coming off of his entry-level contract. I'm guessing, I mean, I would like to see the 4, 4.5 range, maybe even yep. lower. Eh, watch yourself. That's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. His minutes, think... his minutes alone gets him 4, four plus. I reckon he gets 5. But his game this year has, has, has been impressive so far, especially on that penalty kill. Um, where do we go from here on Brandon Carlo, assuming he stays healthy for the complete season and, and potential playoffs? Oh, if he plays playoffs, he's getting five, five point five. Like, I just think if he shows how much he like means to this team, yeah, it just showed last season when, as soon as he went down going into the playoffs, the the uh, penalty kill percentage plummeted. Um, the team didn't look as steady. Like, who who do you play with Krug on that second line? Kevin Miller. And then who goes on the third line, especially when you've now traded Adam McQuaid? You're only on the right shot defenseman there. So yeah. I, Calling him a defenseman is a bit of a stretch. I, I just think if he shows how much he means to the team, he's, he's going to get paid a lot more than people think. Unless it goes like uh, Pasternak did, where he takes a discount for a team that he loves. So, Which I think will probably see a lot of from the players around because like we've been saying for a while you can't sign all these guys yeah um five uh five to 4.5 range hello did we lose rob no i'm still here oh okay yeah so i I think he will be in that uh that four to five range in between there just solely based on he has zero offensive numbers yeah so, but he's a penalty kill specialist. He's 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 needed on this team, and if they can get him in that number, it's it's going to be a steal, just like the steal that Toronto Maple Leafs got with Morgan Riley. That's a steal of a contract. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and a good comparison. So, and it's 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 the two different type of players, but at the same time, they're both at the same stage in their careers. So, at the time of when their their contracts are up. So if they if they can get that done, and Sweeney's been able to, uh, as Rob would call it, the Sweeneyus on a lot of contracts, <laughs> so it's, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they can get a discount on this kid. So when 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 I'm thinking about Brandon Carlo, I like when he has sustainability with a with a certain defensive pairing for a while. Like right now, I'd like to see him just be a little better when he has to work with different people. You know, we're, they're all professionals. They're paid to do a certain job, no matter who's on, alongside of them. And I understand mistakes happen. He's he's had a couple turnovers. That that's gonna happen. But uh, you know, once he gets back into a role of of having a steady you know partner on his defensive line, and they can you know find that chemistry, I think Brandon's game's just gonna elevate. I mean, not not elevate. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, okay. You know it. it 
Oh, I lost it. You suck. <laughs> uh, I think, honestly, like it's hard to ask him to do more with a different partner because he, he can't play defense for both guys. Right. Like, it's the perfect example of what we saw last night with Eurovacanai and, and Grizzly. When Grizzly, uh, when Grizzly got pointed at and told, you got a guy coming around the net, and Vakanainen had to hold his side of the ice because there was a winger coming in. They just, he didn't listen, didn't hear him, whatever it is, um, and they got scored on. And that's exactly what, if you've got a partner that, if you're the boss of that line and you're you're saying, like, look, this guy's coming, you take this guy, I'll take that guy. If a team works like that, that's fine. But if a team doesn't, li- they don't listen to each other. There's no way you're going to do anything. You're not going to stop anyone. So, I think when he gets Krug back, he'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, does, does this team ever miss Krug? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Do you, anyone still want to trade Krug? No. Oh, I, 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 not right now. Like, there's no way in the world he means so much. He's that first pass. He is the reason why the other lines aren't scoring. Yep. There's and, no one to get that pass out of his own. And which uh, line plays most with the first line? Chara and McAvoy. And which line plays with the other lines? Oh, yeah, that's Tory Krug. <laughs> so when you see that breakout pass go in, oh, it's not there anymore. And no one can make it other than him. So, yeah. Absolutely. It just, it, it's just such a difference to watch. Like... Anyone who has a subscription to the NHL network, go back and watch a game from last season where they're repairing and then watch a game from this season with Carlo and who's who's even playing with Carlo now? Miller. So uh, yeah, I believe so. it's not even Miller now. No, so, not with the injury. Yeah, so who's gonna play with Carlo now? That's a good question. Well maybe I, it should, maybe it should I be Grizz to help Grizz out. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Because he's struggling again, and it was someone put on social media what type of defenseman everybody thought, and everybody picked him as a two-way defender. I was in shock. I think it was Sean Ferris from. Uh, I was in shock. Two-way defender, Grizz. No, Oof, he's not even close. Definitely a offensive defenseman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the it's that thing like. Remember a few seasons ago when we were screaming out we needed more right-handed defensemen? Yeah. And now we have an abundance of them and we have no left-handed defensemen. (laughs) And then soon we'll have guys coming up and we'll just say we have too many defensemen. Yeah, it's always always something. I mean, I I see that they've tried to fix it, but it's just crazy. And then the other day as well, I was looking at the depth chart for each position and if you want to laugh, go and look at the right wing position for the Bruins. Oh yeah, there's like five guys on there. It's just I would I would like to state if you look at the guys that everybody wanted the Bruins to sign over the last couple of years, please from now on, people, no more free agents. Yeah, no more. I, yeah, I think the only the only way they sign free agents is like they've done with Wagner and Nordstrom. If yeah. it's going to be a depth guy who. Yeah, he can plug up a hole in the lineup if he has to. That's fine. But going out and getting guys who are apparently top of the class, no. Because it's not worked out. I mean, look back at it. You've got Matt Bolesky, uh David Backus. Who else have they overpaid recently? 
Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody they've signed for free agent? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, no. Yeah. It, mm. Mm. But uh, I, I'd like to see him. Give me one example of one they didn't. Like, big uh, game, big ticket, this... big ticket, big ticket. Not these, not these third or fourth liners. Uh, Kevin Miller. He wasn't an unrestricted free agent. No, he was brought up. This, yeah, but they signed him as a. No, I'm talking agent. about guys. Oh, like come in. Uh, like think about it. The, the couple no years that everybody wanted, <laughs> but those are third and fourth liners. I'm talking about like the guys like they wanted. Everybody oh, wanted top Jack, line guys. Everybody wanted uh, everybody wanted Kovalchuk. Everybody wanted this. Everybody wanted that. Well, yeah, no one goes for cheap in free agency. No one. You're looking to add at the moment. It's like if the guy's a top six player, it's two million plus what he'd get on his team, like what he'd get as a re-signed player. So it's just ridiculous. That's why everyone's hoping the cap goes up. Yeah. And uh, to, to end it, uh, our last topic on the agenda, is is there a need for a trade to, to facilitate that uh, third-line center? Do we need to go out and get a veteran? And when I say by veteran, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm specifically targeting an article written by um, Ty Anderson saying that the Bruins should go out and, and look at the options for a veteran and not over 30, but an under 30 veteran to fill that spot because it just seems like our development depth hasn't um, excelled enough to secure a spot. So maybe going out and trading for I'm, I'm not, I'm not for the trade, but it does bring up an interesting, you know, question. I I've seen one guy mentioned that I would like the Bruins to go and get, and that was Sam Bennett. Um, other than that, I just don't like. Like everyone's saying, go and get Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Isn't he six million a year for the next like four years? And terrible. Yeah, yeah. like unless you're sending David Backus in that deal, like no. And if the other guy everybody mentions is the God forbid Matt Duchesne. Well, we all know who ha- we mentioned <laughs> these two players. But yeah, still. but ha- I, I don't get like, how any of this happens. Like, Why David Critch is that? not going anywhere this season. That's Matt for sure. Shane is not a third-line center. And second yeah. of all, if he is, then he's just going to be that overpaid guy that everybody's going to freak out about. Yeah. I, I honestly, I like, like I said, Sam Bennett. I, I don't know who had mentioned that. I'd seen it on an article somewhere. But uh, I like that idea of a guy who's having a bit of a struggle in the team that he's in and then bringing him in. And Sam Bennett's got a lot of skill on him. Um, I just... Plus, playmaker guy on the third line, I'd rather have that than some grizzly guy come in and just hit people on the boards, and that's all he can do. Yeah, because so. both Nuge and, uh, and uh, Duchesne, their contracts are just, no, no thank you. Yeah, don't touch them. I, I just don't think... I can't picture anyone around the league that I'm like, oh, go... The only guy that I thought of, I found out, got waved and no one picked him up, and that was Sam Gagne. But, and his contract's not that bad. I think it's like one one million something. Yeah, he's very playing friendly. It, he's playing in the minors. Yeah, but he did well at going to, I think it was Vancouver where he had a, oh no, it was Columbus, wasn't it? He went to Columbus, played the third line center position there, then ended up going to Vancouver in free agency and didn't do too well. So, yeah. 
I don't know. There's there's too many players out there that fit the uh, bill for that position, and it's down to one guy to either sort this team out or go and find him. I don't think they're going to trade any time in the next month. I think it's. I think they'll wait now. Yeah, I I, I think the same thing. I, I think they're just going to try to find some kind of chemistry with these players, and if they can't get it uh, sooner rather than later. I think the December, late December, early January area is still in play for them to at least do something to address it if they, they if they think they can make a serious push. But if they if they look in that room and sit down at that table and they stare at each other and just say, "Listen, are we a team that can compete this year, or are we a team that's just gonna, you know, scratch on the walls of of a, of a playoff appearance?" Those decisions impact what you do on the then and now, you know. Yeah. So. You know, if they're not going to do it, I would not go out and blow it up. Um, you know, just... no, not if you're going to give something that you're going to struggle to get back. Right. I mean, it's all right when you've got, like I said, the three guys before you got Hein and Donato and Bjork, which all play pretty much the same position. Okay, but um, if those are the three, you you keep mentioning those names. Out of those three, which one are you willing to move, and which one are you willing to not move? Because if one of those three, I wouldn't move. Bjork, I wouldn't move. Yeah, unless you're getting um, a guy like Panarin back, like I've said before. Yeah, I and I don't take, think... I if think the player you're getting is better than the playing you're giving up, then you do the deal. Yeah, and it's one of them. It's It's got to... It has to be a hockey trade as well. It's got to be a one-for-one, one, a guy that someone doesn't need for a guy that we don't need. Like, that's... That's the only way it's going to happen other than giving up too much for a big contract. And I'd hate to see Sweeney go out and kind of do what he's done before. And like with the Zach Ronaldo trade, anything like that, Jesus, no. Yeah. Or even lately, the Rick Nash trade. I know the expectations for Nash were a little higher, but injuries happen. Yeah, but that's all. It, that's the only reason I still say that's the only reason that trade didn't end up looking good. He got injured, he got a concussion. Yeah, he would have been fine, and he probably would have resigned. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like I kept thinking, is uh, Nordstrom playing that second line, and they're just waiting to see if Bacchus, uh, not Bacchus, uh, Nash, would yeah. actually sign, but I don't think so anymore. I don't. I think, think, I think they knew long ago that he wasn't coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I. I think he's done. I really do. I, I feel bad for him, but. One hundred percent agree. All right, gentlemen. I think that's going to end it for the for the uh, first hour talk. Uh, please stay tuned for the second hour talk with Josh Bemis as we break down all the Bruins prospects and what they did last week. Um, we are not going to do a uh, listener rewards uh, giveaway today. Uh, would really like to get some more Patreon uh, sign-ups. So for right now, we're going to do them two a month. And once we get some more uh, traffic and, and, and some more contributions, we'll, uh, we'll start breaking it open to, to four a month. So uh, if you if you get, like to be a part of that and be eligible to uh, participate, please go to patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcasts. And just donate a buck and uh, get you involved in these uh, great um, giveaways. We do a lot of uh, stuff from Fanatics that we give away, all Bruins related. 
And also, we uh, I found out from Thomas Nystrom, our 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 tech guy and and um, advertising agent for the Black and Gold Productions team, uh, that the new merch is coming out for the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. So stay tuned with that. We'll do giveaways with that stuff, and you can also order your own at BNG Shop at BigCartel.com. So. Plenty of stuff to contribute and help us cut the cost of the uh, of operating our podcast. So we we do appreciate all the Patreon Patreons we have now, and uh, we definitely uh, entertain a lot more. So uh, for that, uh, for Mark, myself, and uh, Court and Rob, thank you very much for listening. I uh, really appreciate it, and uh, we will be back next week. Bye. Passion, talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Johnny Gaudreau. Backhand scorer! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Shane Gossespierre were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Gets onto the skate of Nikki Petty and Jack Stanika, shorthanded breakaway, scores! Tucks it in underneath Cole Cece, and it's a 1 0 Oshawa lead. Now McLeod mishandles and Donato tries to make a pay. Here's Donato. In deep, Ryan Donato curls and scores! A highlight reel goal for Ryan Donato. Goes to his left, in front, and that's Trent Frederick on the one-time redirect. Frederick with his fourth, and Team USA now up 8-2. to two. Hey guys, welcome back for the uh, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast uh, Prospect Hour. Uh, joined, as always, by Josh Bemis, writer for ShippingUpToCauseway.com. Follow him at 2Causeway on the Tweet Machine. Mr. Josh Bemis, how we doing? Uh, I mean, as I probably announced on Twitter last night, my voice is a little rough. But as we'll get into, that is actually a good thing because that means that the P Bruins won. And they won in commanding fashion. Which, hey, that's that's a huge step in the right direction for them because up till now, the only other win that they had was very shaky at best. Yeah, and uh, I'm not overly impressed with the, the effort uh, brought forth from these uh, Providence Bruins so far. Um, as Josh mentioned, we, they did get a win last night um, and a big one that, at that. And hopefully they, there's something that they can feed on, but um, just something's got to give here and it, we keep, you know, for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the message, uh, how it's relating and, and, and the players, because the players on that team are, there's a long list of really good prospects that I expected to be a little better than this. But as you know, the way the, uh, the Providence Bruins trend the past three or four seasons, they are complete dog ass, uh, in the month of October and November and seem to come out of the cave and out of hibernation uh, in December. So hopefully this is, you know, I, I, I know I keep beating this down, but hopefully this is a good step in the right direction. And, and they, they uh, you know, they come out flying because they only have one game next week. So um, lots of practice time. But regardless, let's get into 
Uh, last week's action, real quick, the Providence Bruins played three games. Uh, the first one was Sunday, October 14th at the Mass Mutual Center against the Springfield Falcons. Going to be seeing these guys an awful lot. Um, and, and Springfield just trucked them. Uh, it was a 6-3 score. Uh, first period goals by Zach Senishin got his second of the year from Solarik and Vakaninen at the 7-11 mark of the first. Uh, second period, Providence Bruins goals, uh, only one from uh, Colby Cave, who uh, has recently been hot. Um, he scored his second from McNeil and Clifton at 6.33. And the third period, um, Providence gets on the board with uh, Ryan Fitzgerald's four, first from uh, Gulabeff and uh, recently named Captain Jordan Swartz. That was a power play goal at 17.05. Uh, shots on goal, Providence 33, Springfield 20. That's a sad, sad stat right there for that score. Um, and Providence was one for six on the power play. And That's another sad stat right there because they were gifted two individual five-on-three power plays. You know that your team is, as you said, ass when you can't convert a five-on-three power play. That's just... I, I was pulling my hair out. It was that bad. I was furious because it's Springfield. You routinely play Springfield hard, and you routinely take advantage of them. And they walked all over you to the and their penalty kick. Mark, did you you saw the that power play? It was it was they played patty cake for the whole time. They got barely any shots on, and as a result, they pissed away two brilliant power play chances. I, I think out of all the losses, that one was by far the worst one to watch because of the lack of coordination effort. It just seemed like everybody was just out of position and they weren't mentally checked into that game. And I and granted, it's the third game of a 3-3, three and three, so maybe not everybody's as sharp as they should be, but you're just going out to Springfield. That's 80 minutes from here. That's not difficult. You can get a good night's sleep and make that game handily, even if it's at 3.05 p.m. Yeah, I mean, to me, from what I saw from from the uh, the studio here in Amesbury, Massachusetts, uh, a team that was not engaged at all, and, and that is a concern for me moving forward. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a minor pro system. I know that it's about development, but you still want, you still want these kids to have fun. You still want them winning on a, on a consistent basis to keep everything sharp, um, in their development. Uh, you know, uh, horses and dogs, when they race, they race for one certain thing. And that's, that, that's basically to get past that finish line. So, you know, I really want this team to turn around, and I don't want to see games like this, especially against a a division foe. And 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 don't don't knock Springfield. Springfield's uh, you know in six games, they are unbeaten. They have a four zero zero and two record, uh, sitting on top <laughs> of the Atlantic uh, Division, and uh, the Providence Bruins are sitting seventh in the Atlantic Division, uh, uh, right above the Hershey Bears. So. After seven games, you know things is things just gotta gotta pick up. And, yeah, and they no. um, just getting back to McIntyre took the loss. He stopped uh, fourteen of twenty shots. Uh, he was in there for the complete game. Uh, absolutely no relief. Um, so moving on to Friday, October nineteenth at the Webster Bank Arena. This is a, a home and home between the Providence Bruins and the uh, Bridgeport Sound Tigers and. 
and Bridgeport comes out um, with the overtime victory, uh, four to three. Uh, first period, Providence Bruins goals. Colby uh, Cave gets his third at seven twenty. I, I want to say that was unassisted, but I, I think I might have deleted that on my notes. But um, the second period, Providence Jakobsboro gets his first from Bakos and Cameron Hughes at eighteen fifteen, and jump into the third period. They win. Oh, uh, Kobe Cave gets his second goal, his fourth of the season from Ford's Bracket Carlson at seventeen forty nine, and obviously the overtime uh, game and. Cicelo gets his second of the season uh, in overtime. So that was at the end of that. Uh, shots on goal, uh, 33 for Providence, 34 for Bridgeport. Uh, 0 for 3 in the power play for Providence, and Vladar takes the loss. Uh, he stopped 30 or 34 Bridgeport shots. So You were absolutely right about that first uh, Colby Cave goal, though there was no assists on that. Okay. Good, because I, 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 in my notes, what I've been doing is, is I've been uh, just taking some, taking some things and getting rid of the penalties. We don't need to talk about who got a penalty and what time, so I just got rid of that nonsense so I don't have to, like, my, my eyes don't boggle when I'm trying to look for, oh, look yeah, for something on the if page. If you're reading too many numbers, you're going to start oh, tripping yeah. Exactly. I'm going to have an acid flashback from the, like, the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> uh, so... Um, that, but, that was an okay game. It I was it was like a step it. forward, absolutely right. a step forward. Right. But you know to what we talked about last week, it was it, it was another one of those. We need to show up for sixty minutes. We need to absolutely be here and, and engage in what we're trying to do here. I believe that in that game, what I saw personally was a team that was almost there for for a better part of forty minutes, but then towards the end, really let the defense and, and the, uh, and the goaltending down uh, defense had a big part of that too. But, you know, I just want to see more of a 60 minute effort in these games. Um, what were you going to say? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just listening to you. Oh, okay. uh, I, was taking, I was taking a sip of coffee. Not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> but to get to the most positive uh, part of the week last week for these Providence Bruins is is uh, a 5-2 to two win at the dunk in front of the home crowd, which is always good because those guys deserve it. Um, you know, you're a season ticket holder, as many other people, so uh, winning in front of the home crowd is always important. And, and, and it's, it's a good confidence boost for, for the team and the community. So uh, they beat Bridgeport last night 5-2. to two. Um, The first period, Cameron Hughes got on the scoreboard quickly from uh, Zboro at 151. And then uh, Kobe Cave uh, scores his fifth and third in, in as many games uh, from Lausanne and Anton Bleed at 313. Uh, second period, Providence Trent Frederick gets his second goal uh, from Carson Coleman and newly um, called up, is it Joel Messner? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's either Messler with an L or Messner with an it's, N. Yeah, it's Messner. M-E-S-S-N-E-R. I, I was just making sure that the Joel was correct. Yeah, definitely. That, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I, w- I wanted to actually talk about him getting called up because I think it's actually going to be a huge benefit to the Bruins. So finish what you're going to say and then let's actually let, give me a sec to talk about that guy because I think I like him, what I've seen out of him so far, and I think he's going to be a huge benefit to the team. 
Yeah, the uh, the Frederick goal, his second of the season at ten thirteen in the second period, um, and the third period, uh, Jan Kovash uh, scores his first, which I thought was a pretty decent goal, and in a in a, a very very nice pass from Jeremy Lawson at forty one seconds of the third period, and uh, Trent Frederick scores his third from Solaric and Clifton at one ten, and that will do it for the game. And the Bruins' uh, goals in the in the in sixty minutes. Man, I'm bumbling today. Um, That's right. Yeah, I had a couple of drinks last night. Uh, shot, <laughs> shots on goal. Shots on goal with Bridgeport twenty seven and Providence thirty seven. A the I... po- power plays were zero for three for both teams. McIntyre takes the win, stopping twenty five of twenty seven in front of six thousand and fifty nine fans at the dock. Which was surprising because I, I assumed uh, last night's crowd was going to be a bit bigger. But anyway, so what I really like about Mess Messner, Messner, we agreed it's Messner. Yep. Okay. What I really liked about Messner was he's a right-handed defenseman. If you've noticed, Providence now has uh, on the right side Golobov, Clifton, and now Messner. Now they can platoon their defensemen correctly because the left right. It, Right, you can do a left shot defenseman with a right shot defenseman, and you can do that up and down your lineup, and that helps out so much. Mark, last night they were making crisp passes. They were finally getting their uh, – the passing game was a lot more focused. They weren't dumping passes into dead zones, and I think that – and a, a lot of their breakouts were easier. So now that they've got the correct – they're playing on their correct-handedness – the offense is flowing so much better. Last last night was the first night that they had um, all of those new changes, you know, in place and working. And you saw it, it was like night and day. The whole, everybody was where they should be. Everybody was passing correctly. The offense knew where it was supposed to be. It it seemed like there was a night and day difference between last night's game and any of the games that they've played beforehand. And I think that having that correct handedness and having the, you know, the team is set up the way that a, t- a good constructed team should be set up on the back end. I, I think this is going to be one of the keys to them going forward that they're going to do good things. So what, now what I, about, what about back and his call up? Because this, this, this is the move that Messner made because of that, um, because of that move. So regardless of, the injury situation that's going on with the NHL Bruins with Charlie McAvoy and, and Kevin Miller, when those guys come back, obviously it's going to trickle down. Maybe Vakanainen comes back too to the Providence Bruins, which will also promote a move back down to the East Coast Hockey League uh, Atlanta Gladiators for a, a player like Messner. We're going to have to see how uh, how things progress at that point because uh, you're right. It, we'll, we'll handle this like a scientific experiment. Once the moves come back down the other way, we'll see if their production starts dropping off because for the first, what, six, seven games now, the only good one that they've – like the really extremely good one that they had was the one where they platooned left-shot defensemen and right-shot defensemen. Yeah, and, and um, I was – I'm going off of a tweet from Mark Diver of the uh, Providence uh, Journal, and he mentioned, uh, or somebody asked him, what about the, uh, man, I can't say this guy's name. He was the one that defected from Montreal. Oh, Gallipo. Yeah. Um, he was, well, why not bring Gallipo up 
and Diver came back with it's a right shot thing. Yes, exactly. it's, a le- it's a left right shot thing. So that's why the Messner uh, was 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 uh, the move was made. Yep, absolutely, and I think it's going to be paying dividends for them because it's you saw it last night. I, and if anybody who's listening hasn't isn't understanding what I'm saying, I implore you to go and take a look at AHL TV and just give it a watch. You'll see between Bridgeport the night before and Bridgeport at home in Providence. The difference is noticeable, and I really think that this is going to be a good thing for them going forward. Yeah, and and hopefully, hopefully it does. Even though that Messner is is not a Bruins prospect, nope. um, should be very interesting and in, and in how long he stays and so on. Because I, I thought I thought he played well, just like you said, uh, the crisp passes, uh, yep. the, the 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 hockey IQ for a, a player like him that. I don't see him making an NHL career. It was was impressive to see, but you know, every every organization in the National Hockey League needs a stable um, uh, development system and, and players that uh, like him. So, absolutely. Uh, uh, last night, one more thing that we really want to talk about that um, I know you and I went back and forth about this, mostly jokingly, but um, the Chalaric, Kovash, and Bakos line was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. The two they looked like they had been playing together for years. Right. And meanwhile, they were just basically thrown together. Yeah, I, I thought that that was a good line too. Um, obviously, Bakos is this is his, was his first game. Uh, he was injured, I believe, in uh, Bruins training camp, which which ultimately held him at the NHL level until he was um, better to be assigned down to Providence and. Uh, that Jan Kovash, um, very interesting player that I really wanted to talk about before we move on to other prospects in, in other leagues. Um, I, I don't know where to go with this guy. He signs a PTO with the Providence Bruins uh, earlier last week and after not reporting to the Bridgeport Sound Tigers that they just played a, uh, you know, a home-and-home series against uh, last weekend. So... Well, this weekend, for that matter, I so he doesn't want to play in the NA- AHL, and he's not good enough to play in the NHL on the New York Islanders. So he he, he basically shows his um, displeasure about that and and doesn't report, but signs a PTO with the Providence Bruins. Something something's going not right with this guy. Am I correct? I, no, actually, I heard from one of the guys in the Bridgeport organization that um, uh, I believe it is that. He was sent down, but Bridgeport had reached the maximum number of, um, you know how you can only have a certain number of veterans players playing at at a given time. So they almost had nothing to do with them. So I think that he got, they terminated that because he, like you said, wasn't good enough yet to play in the NHL, but he couldn't go down to the AHL because of that rule. So I think that it was more of a logistics well, they they waived them. To, they waived them to terminate the the contract. Mm. So yeah, I I know that I heard from some. I I heard from so, the sources that it was it, it was more of a mutual thing. It actually wasn't as uh, I guess dirty or as uh, it, it wasn't as bad as people are making it out to be. I believe it was uh it was they they mutually terminated it. Uh, right. Okay. So let's get past that. Now here's my problem. Sure. 
Alan Walsh, his his agent, went on the tweet machine a couple of days ago and said that um, they're still exploring NHL options while he's playing on a PTO with the Providence Bruins. Well, that really pisses me off to a point that this guy comes in on a PTO and is not expected to be here full time for the rest of the season, but obviously hindering a roster spot yesterday uh, for a, a developing player. I don't know who sat. I, you know, I'm not I'm not fully up on the notes right now, but somebody sat that probably either has already an AHL contract or is a is a Boston Bruins prospect, and I don't think that's right. That's fair. I feel uh, that's a fair rebuttal. I'm you know. Not- Yep, yep. I can't knock you for that, but so if he if he doesn't if he doesn't get any NHL offers in the next three weeks per Alan Walsh's his agent's uh, tweet, then he's jetting off. He's got to be going back overseas where he's going to be a little happier and guaranteed playing time. Mm. And that that disturbs me a little bit. Now that I can agree with, that's fair. If he's just going to be a basically like a month mercenary, then. Okay, that's a little bit scummier than I want it to be, but I mean I, that's what that's what I got. I mean, if sure. you if you want to oh, sign sure. if you want to sign a PTO and keep your legs fresh, then then participate in all the practices and and um and off practices uh, regiments. But when it comes to playing time, I really believe that 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 really belongs to somebody that's at least earned it. But that's fair. I mean, he's a, he's a good player. I mean, look if you go on YouTube. Uh, it's Jan J A N K O V A R, but it's actually pronounced uh, Kovash. Um, so I mean, he's a he's he, the kid's got the guy. He's got he's 27, 28 years old. He's got a great pair of hands and he's got speed. He can definitely put the puck in the net. That's obviously all video I've seen from overseas when he played over in Europe. Whether it's translate that game over here remains to be seen, but that goal he scored last night was pretty impressive. Exactly, and I uh, and he's helping to drive that line. So yeah. I, I don't want to see him go. I don't want to see the, uh, I guess, the miniature scandal that's kind of been going on around him. But uh, yeah, if he uh, signs, if he signs, he signs. I'm I'm good with it. I mean, just like you yeah. said. That that Solaric Bakos and 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 Kovash line would be freaking dynamic moving forward. Absolutely. So, um, what did you think about Bakos in in his first game back? Bakos actually, I believe, played in uh, Bridgeport the night before. If I have so, he's got two games correct. under his belt. Yeah, first game he looked a little rusty, but then the second game, it was amazing. Nice. Yeah, like in Friday on Friday night, he didn't really stand out all that much. You saw him a little bit here and there, but uh, I believe last night he looked like he was ready to he was ready to play. He was look he looked like he was having fun out there. So I believe it just took him that one game to kind of get his bearings and his timing down, and then it was lights out from there. He really seemed to flourish on that Czechoslovakian line. <laughs> oh, you're too funny, I man! That, I had to throw that in there somewhere. I know you. I know you did because I like the jabs. I like the jabs, <laughs> but but it's not. <laughs> I understand the whole the whole split of the country and so on, but oh, you know, no, I know, as as it as it is, is in the future, it's two separate countries. So I, I just so many people do it, 
And I'm, like, al- I'm always I, the one to go, just <laughs> check, check your stats, man. Because either if I'm not going to hammer on it, somebody else is. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to the um, other prospects in the other developmental leagues. Uh, and we do have an addition to talk about, and that's the Atlantic Gladiators in the East Coast Hockey League. Um, Jesse Gabriel and Yuna Kampanen uh, were both assigned from the Providence Bruins down to Atlanta um, for, I want to say it was because they're not playing very well. And that would probably, you know, be a, a, a solid start to um, for the demotion because they're not playing very well. And, and maybe other reasons, too, that have been rumored around at least one of these players. But uh, the Bruins prospect Jesse Gabriel and Yuna Kapanen uh, were assigned to the premier double-A affiliate of the Bees early last week. Both got into their first two games of the season in the East Coast Hockey League, with Gabriel having the better start scoring a goal on Friday night, October 19th, in a 4-1 win over the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. What a name. Kopanen uh, <laughs> is pointless in, his, in the minus two in his first two Gladiator games. Uh, Atlanta gets back to work today, October 21st, against the South Carolina Stingrays. And Thursday night, October 25th, against the Jacksonville Icemen. And finishing the week on Saturday, October 27th, against the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. That name is just so fun to say. <laughs> the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> I just I think of Bugs Bunny or something like that, you know. Exactly. Or yeah. Pismo or, Beach. And... <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. We just dated ourselves. I know, big time. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, oh, the, the, another fun name is the uh, Orlando Silver Bears. I like that one, too. Yeah, yeah. Recent, you, get that, re- you get the polar bear with the sunglasses and the hockey stick. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty legendary logo right there. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Atlanta's doing okay. They got, I think they're in a 2-1 two, two and one record right now. Uh, and the only two prospects down there are Jesse Gabriel and um, and Yuna Kampanen. Um so we'll definitely be paying much more attention to them. And also a um, uh, writer at blackandgoldhockey.com, Chris Green, is covering the Atlanta team. So please pay attention to him and follow him on Twitter uh, at Chris Green Sports. Um, jump into the uh, Ontario Hockey League. Uh, the Oshawa Generals, uh, Jack Sidnika, played in three games last week and had an assist in sat- Sunday, October 14th game against the Hamilton Bulldogs. And a goal and an assist in Thursday, October 18th game against the Peterborough Peets. And a goal on Friday night, October 19th against the London Knights. Captain Jack has five goals, seven assists, 12 points in nine games this season. Uh, Generals goaltender Kyle Kieser appeared in three games last week, starting with a no decision on Sunday, October 14th against Hamilton, surrendering five goals and getting pulled halfway through the game. Kiza would turn his week around starting on Thursday, October 18th, stopping 29 of 30 for his second win of the season. Uh, finishing out the week, Kyle Kyle's third win of the year on Friday night, October 19th against London, stopping 31 of 33. Kiza has played in six games thus far and has a record of 3-2-0. Goals against average of 2.54 and a save percentage of 923. 
The Generals games for the upcoming week start today, October 21st, against Peterborough Peets, Friday night, October 26th, against Hamilton, and rounding out the week against the Kitchener Rangers on Saturday, October 27th. Keezer's got some interesting numbers when it comes to the goals against and save percentage. Um, and and his, his overall record isn't reflecting of what he can actually do. Absolutely. In fact, I was just about to touch on this. Um, there was I read your uh, mind. Somebody, uh, yeah, somebody online was, uh, in fact, shout out to a sunburnt rat, by the way, uh, was talking to me about the game against London. And uh, apparently, apparently Keezer looked really solid in net. I mean, he robbed the Knights multiple times. His positioning was good. He only got caught out of position maybe once or twice. And, um, I mean, one of the goals was on, like, a net front scramble where Keezer actually got the shot originally. He, ma- he made the save, but then you had rebounds after the fact. And that's more on the defense of clearing out the crease than anything else. So, And then the other – I think the other goal that he was beat on was a bar down snipe, which is – you can't fault him for that. I yeah, mean, a tough if, one. If, the, if the if if the shooter is gonna put a perfect shot on the goalie, there's nothing the goalie can really do about it in that case. There is just shots that have quality above and beyond the rest that you're just kind of gotta take one on the chin for that one. So you're right. Keezer has been looking better than his record would suggest, and that's why, as we preach week after week, don't just look at stat lines. Right. Yeah, if you have the opportunity, please go to OHL Live and order a game or two. It's a six ninety nine. It's a really good action and and sometimes uh, good quality uh, to watch on. So um, <laughs> the, the the um that that Twitter handle you mentioned was that the dude that sent us a picture of his ticket? Um, I don't. Or maybe he just sent it to me. I don't know if you were involved in in that tweet, but he said he's going to see the. Uh, Oshawa Generals game. Oh, maybe you'll have to uh, tag me in that, and I'll uh, I'll I'll check that out. I'll check. Uh, yeah, I'll check out my timeline, and then I'll I'll just add you to it. Perfect. Um, staying in the Ontario Hockey League, the Niagara Ice Dogs. Di- Daniel Bouchard played in four games last week, scoring his first goal of his OHL career on Sunday, October fourteenth, against the Sudbury Wolves. Uh, the remaining three games of the week, Bouchard went pointless, but remains tied with one. With first on the Ice Dogs, oh man, <laughs> he's got a plus seven and he's tied with another player as as the team's best. I just really typed that out wrong. Uh, Bukash has two points in his last 12 games. The Ice Dogs have two games this week starting on Wednesday, October 24th against the Peterborough Peets and Sunday, October 27th against Saginaw. Um, moving on to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Ramuski, Oceanic, Cedric Potray played in three games last week, only registering an assist in a 5-4 to four loss on October 20th against the Charlottetown. Um, Potray, yeah, that's it. I forgot to put that. That's why I have you here. You're like a wicked good assist guy. Like, like you're, you're the oats to my Neely. There you go. I mean, yep. uh, that's the way I am in men's league. If I'm not the one scoring, I'm always passing out right into the slot for people to just pick up the puck and score with. So Absolutely. I get you. Nice. <laughs> um, Pare has 11 points in 13 games and is playing well regardless of his, of the points. I've seen a couple of games, and he looks good with his new Vermuski team since being traded from the St. John Sea Dogs. Um the Oceanic have three games this week, starting on today, October 21st, against Moncton, and Wednesday, October 24th, against the Blaineville Bois-Briand. How did I do? Blaineville Bois-Briand. I, 
Yeah, I thought that's I thought that's what pretty I said. Pretty good. Pretty you're about eighty five percent there. Nice. See? <laughs> uh, above fifty. Above fifty, baby. All right. <laughs> Uh, and rounding out the week schedule on Friday, October 26th against the Quebec Remparts. And staying in the queue, uh, the Rowan Noranda Huskies, Jakob yeah. Lako played two games last week, gathering only one point on a game against uh, Bay Como, where Good. he scored a goal in a 3-2 win. Jakob now has four goals, two assists, six points in seven games played this far the season. The Huskies played three games this week, starting today, October 21st, against Shikudami, Wednesday, October 24th, against Sherbrooke, and finishing the week on Friday night, uh, October 26th, against Valdor. And another addition to the um, the uh, prospect stuff is the NCAA men's hockey, and got to touch on uh, the University of Maine and goaltender Jeremy Swayman. He started off the season uh, hot with a 2-0 record, but came back down to earth uh, with two games last week against the Minnesota Duluth. On Friday, October 19th, Jeremy had a tough, tough game, giving up seven goals in a loss to the Bulldogs and didn't fare much better in the next night against the same Bulldogs team on October 20th, giving up three in the weekend Minnesota sweep. The Black Bears get back to work on Friday night, October 26th and the 27th, with back-to-back games against Connecticut. From what I saw against that, uh, the game, the main Black Bears game on Friday night, that seemed to be a team problem more than a Swayman problem. I mean, if oh, you're yeah. going to let the, the Minnesota walk in on you like that constantly, you're going to give your goaltender a very rough night. So when we say he let in seven, just temper, temper your – don't get out the pitchforks just yet – there's if if he if it got that high it, chances are his defense wasn't uh, was barely playing in front of him if at all so barely playing is it a main joke and yes it is a main joke <laughs> i love it that, that, that was wife of salmon in the background and uh yeah. drop dropping some knowledge on the black and gold hockey prospect talk love it my wife everyone <laughs> that's awesome um if i'm not mistaken josh uh didn't Carson Coleman play for Minnesota, Duluth? Oh, I believe so. Went the, oh, yeah, weren't oh. they like champ, uh, national champions last year? Yeah, I want to say that they were. Because um, they're, a, they're a good team and, and definitely. Oh, they're no slouches. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the matchup might have not have been great, but you, you're absolutely right. Uh, seven, seven goals against... Um, it is not indicative of how Jeremy Swayman is 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 progressing in his development. This is just a it, it, we all have bad days and, and professional players have bad games. So I mean, I wouldn't count it all on him like most people do. The Raskaders in, in the NHL with the Boston Bruins, you know, this is just something that he can work on, stand up, brush it off, and and go into next weekend against the Connecticut Huskies uh, and and try to do a little bit better. So. And you're absolutely right about um, Carson Coleman. He did play all four years of Minnesota Duluth. Yeah, he was captain in the last two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, two with the A, one with the C. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's that's basically it for the updates that we have this week. Um, it was another exciting week of, of watching so much hockey from the AHL down to, you know, the uh, the Q, the O, and obviously the uh, – 
NCAA. Uh, NCAA will pick up a little bit more. Uh, I believe we'll have news on uh, Curtis Hall playing for Yale. Um, their season starts uh, very soon. They just got done doing some exhibition games. Uh, and he played in two sessions in one day. So he played 120. Well, he didn't play all 120 minutes, but he played in two games in one day. So that was pretty impressive. Definitely. So seems like he's going to be uh, well ready to start the year. Uh, I, don't, I don't have in my notes exactly when Yale starts, but I do believe it is next next weekend. So or this yes, coming weekend. yes, yes, absolutely it is. Yeah, it's uh, 26th, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So we will add uh, news on him uh, and Jack Becker for uh, Michigan. Uh, he has one assist in, in a couple of games, not really tearing it up, but uh, as soon as he gets um, a little more involved, we'll uh, talk about him more and, and that's basically it because there's really not much more um, prospects in the NCAA men's division one that we can really add to this list. Not like in the past years when it was, it was like so, so many. Right. Yeah. Cause um, Trent Frederick and Hughes, Hughes. Yeah. Wisconsin AHL. So yeah, you're right. It's uh, the NCAA is not, yeah, we don't have too many prospects in there. Uh, we will eventually because there's a guy, um, and I'm blanking on the name right now. He's oh, uh, Dustin McFall, who's going to be going to Clarkson, Clarkson. right? But uh, he he um, he opted to stay in the um, in the AJHL, I believe, which is the it's a it's a junior program, and it's in the Toronto area. So yeah, he, and actually, I figured out why he did not um, decide to go to major junior. Um, it's not that he wasn't able to. I believe he would have forfeited his NCAA eligibility because with the CHL, he gets a stipend of, um, I don't know, it's it's basically an allowance yep. for all intents and purposes. But he would have forfeited his NCAA eligibility, so he couldn't have gone to college for free on a scholarship if he, had, um, if he wasn't basically an amateur player. So CHL kids... Let's drop some knowledge. CHL kids get a bit of money. Like I said, it's pocket change, but they still get money, so they're not considered amateurs anymore. Therefore, they can't go to the NCAA under a scholarship. Yep, that's that, that's very very good, Josh. Uh, just like just like um, NCAA players cannot participate in in any rookie development stuff, they can participate in development camps. But they right. can't participate in rookie camps or NHL training camps because the NCAA sees that as a professional act, and and you can uh, forfeit your scholarship by doing such things like that. So yeah, we won't see uh, Swayman in rookie camp until he's either out of the University of Maine by graduation, or the Bruins have offered him an entry level contract. So exactly. Yep. <clears throat> anybody uh, that we want to talk on specifically before we kind of like part ways anybody impressed you this week um i i mean i gotta i gotta give props to vakaninen i i thought that in the games that i have i paid really close attention to him um he, he hasn't really blown me away but he and like like i'm going on mark divers tweet too that he hasn't had a bad game so yep. he's he's pretty much like so even uh in in his progression and in his development in his first couple of games of of North American professional hockey that I've been impressed with but I'm not going to I'm not going to you know pump the tires of him being the next Bobby Orr either like like so many other people are 
I, I just think that that's kind of asinine. You know, the guy's only played like three or four games in the A, and automatically he's like, you know, warranted to be in the NHL uh, as soon as possible. And he's getting his opportunity with the Boston Bruins, uh, you know, this time with the uh, call up. And what and what a day for him, huh? Right. Yeah, because he he played in Bridgeport, then. Next morning, you get the uh, the I got a notification. I was like, Erho Vakanayan was recalled to the NHL. Dude, he's got to fly cross country almost immediately. Yeah. And we're talking what, like Connecticut or Rhode Island, Massachusetts, wherever he's flying out of, he's got to fly all the way up to British Columbia to play in that night's game. Yeah, that was crazy. What, what, exactly? What that it. I can't even put into words just how crazy that must have been an experience for him to be, you know, to probably be just minding his own business, get a call from, I'm guessing, Don Sweeney saying, hey, you're flying to BC and you're playing tonight. You know, get your butt on a plane and get out here now. Nothing like learning the rigors of a developmental player on call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, how about how about you? Who impressed you, uh, whether it be this weekend or in the short sample size of games that the Providence Bruins have played so far? Absolutely, Trent Frederick. Um, I believe that out of all the perhaps negatives of the past few, you know, the past few clunkers that they've unloaded, and especially last night and Friday night, his play has been extremely consistent. It's been very exciting to watch. Uh, he's played well at the dot. I've been noticing him used in all three zones of, uh, you know, taking faceoffs in all three zones. Uh, he's had to fill a bit more of a role now that Jordan Swartz got uh, injured, and it was kind of a brutal injury too. So I appreciate him stepping up and and really taking his role seriously because I think that getting sent down right at the end of training camp probably motivated him that hey you're you you're danger close you just made you barely made the you almost didn't make or i guess you almost didn't make it you did either way he came extremely close yeah no, i know i lost my uh, train of thought there you've but been hanging out with me too much you've been fumbling <laughs> <laughs> my train of thought der- no my train of thought didn't derail i just lost it <laughs> um but last night it was incredible to watch him. I mean, he had that first goal that was extremely well set up. And then the second one, I mean, he was in the right place at the right time. He'd managed to figure out a way to make himself invisible, which is not exactly easy for, uh, you know, a 6'3", 220-pound guy. And he was right in front of the goalie. They passed to him, and he just tapped it in. I mean, you couldn't have scripted that play better. You know, you know so, what I, you know what I really like about Trent's game, and and you're absolutely right. I, I, you know, paying attention to him too, um, but it's it's the way that he, when he sees something on the ice when he's on there, and he, he and something happens to a teammate, he's pretty much the first in the scrum to figure out that guy, and that might have took liberties. I I didn't expect a kid with skill like him. I do, I knew he's got the size and so on, but I didn't see the aggression. Uh, from development camps or any of the games that I saw with uh, when he played in Wisconsin. But this, ever since he came to the team last spring after his after commitment with Wisconsin was over, he stepped up his game. It's almost like when that shield, I mean, when that face mask was taken off of him and he went to the half shield, it was it was time for him to really grow. And, and I, I've seen him in now three fights, I believe. I yeah, mean, last one, night. one in his first game. Last that guy. Yeah, I mean he. I mean, 
I just like the way he responds to something like that. In in the past, I've always seen players of his skill level kind of skate away and think that, you know, a Chris Breen will come out and take a number and take care of him. But no, he's fully engaged on making sure that somebody pays for, for taking liberties on, on a teammate. And I'm very impressed with that. But I'm also very yeah. impressed with his numbers in the dot, too. They seem to be getting better and better when he gets more opportunities. And also, one thing I wanted I wanted to talk to you about was... There's a lot of people that are really not happy about people like Trent Frederick on the third line and Seneshin on the fourth line. This has got nothing to do with, it might have a little bit, but it's not nothing to do with, uh, you know, three lines and a grinder. Jay Leach runs four lines of offense. That's just the way it is. That's the way the system is is performing, and that's the way the Boston Bruins want to see these kids develop. So this is nothing on... You know, Sinishin's playing on the fourth line. Draft bust. I I, no. I, I absolutely oh, cannot no, stand not. that. And if you watch, if like, going back to a point that we beat on every week, if you watch them, you understand why they are where they are with the line mates that they are. Jay Leach is setting them up to play with people who are going to fit and work together and work together well. They're trying to work and develop chemistry between these guys, and that's why Jay has him where he has him. There's Exactly. It has nothing to do with skill. It has nothing to do with draft position. It has everything to do with finding the right matchups to play against the teams to get the most success for yourself because I think we touched on this earlier. You really want to see this team flourish and do well because a winning culture fosters better prospect development and i'm gonna die on that hill saying that that even though we're not in the business of winning calder cups a winning team will help your prospects develop better and that's something that i've always respected about the providence bruins is that they've had a winning culture up till i guess now-ish and they need to get back to their winning ways for that very reason that their prospects are just going to develop that much better Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but the Providence Bruins have one game next week against Springfield, and that is at the Mass Mutual Center. And the way we do things, I'm not sure if anybody else notices that we do a Saturday to Saturday schedule. And obviously next weekend, the Providence Bruins play on Sunday, but that will roll over into the next week's uh, discussion. So technically there is only one, one game. So, Um, Josh, thank you. One one more thing I want to mention. Go Um, for it. Another person that's been really impressing me lately has been Connor Clifton, and uh, I think yeah, yeah. I, you know I, I want to talk to him. Talk about I, that too. I, I, I want I want to give him the most improved defenseman between uh, last season to this season, and hence why he got that contract from the NHL Bruins and not just the AHL Bruins. I think Connor Clifton's play this year has been a lot more heads up too. If you've watched him really closely, you'll notice that he's instead of making the safe plays he's been making the right plays and he's also been absorbing hits to make plays which is a big feather in his cap that he's not shying away from contact to make the correct play and to be involved in the play i really love his tenacity and that he's not remember how you were telling me about trent frederick how some guys are just skill only and they'll let other guys do the dirty work for him i really like that connor clifton is not about that way of life that he is fully in there and getting in scrums he's getting in people's faces and he's not backing down and huge feather in his cap i mean you just watch him and you're sitting and you're looking at yourself like wow this 
you know, this might be another one of those diamond in the rough type guys that maybe people overlooked for whatever reason. And now that we're seeing some development and he's seeing playing time and he's in a good system such as Providence and he's now in the NHL Bruin system and on their radar, they're really putting investing time and resources into developing him. So I've been really impressed with his play this season. He's been a bright spot and maybe some, you know, dark times. And I'm going to keep a very close eye on him in the future because I'm I'm all about this kid. I think last year I was a little bit too harsh on him. Just, you know, you, you see, you, you kind of watch his play at first and thought, and you're like, what are you doing, man? And now you're seeing him learning from his mistakes. And you can almost, it's a, it's a nice tangible growth that you can see. So... My cap is off to him, and I really want to see him do better in this coming year. I want to see him keep growing on that good foundation that he built for himself last year. So good on you, Connor Clifton. You've been really impressive lately. The um, I've noticed him, I believe it's the past two or three games, that he's really been pinching in really low offensively. Like, like I really was the last night or Friday night's game when he just he protected the puck well in stride. And, yes. and and really yes. ca- and and came around for a wraparound shot. Yeah, I was like, man, is that Connor Clifton? Yeah, that's what I said. I'm <laughs> like, is this a new forward? But no, and this was a, this was on uh, five on five that they were doing this, and it almost seemed like it was a a, a power play. And right. man, man advantage the way he was moving around the half wall, and then finding an opportunity to like protect the puck so good with his leg and and his side body to get buy two defenders and then still have the the gumption to to make it around the net for a wraparound shot and then what what was more impressive is was he wasn't stargazing at the puck and where it was going he immediately took that wraparound shot and kept skating hard to yep. the point to get back to, into position so it's what you do with and without the puck is very impressive for me when it comes to development de- developing defensemen such as him i mean he had a really good career at Quinnipiac uh, and 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 in a in an offensive role, last season I think he really stepped back a little bit when Jay Leach's system on that, you know, don't get caught doing things without being having the coverage behind you, you know, have the IQ to do the right things at the right times, and I think that that's what he's really learned last year and really installed that into his uh, type of game this season. So. I expect him to get so much better game by game, and this is just a great sample size of what you, you've been talking about and what I've seen uh, him lately. And it's nice because you were mentioning that he was pinching down low and he was pinching hard, but he doesn't pinch hard in a dangerous sense. Like I watch people pinch and I kind of, you know, clench and just think, oh my God, what are they doing? With him, you're like, all right, Cliffy, go do your thing. Right. Because you know that he's got a good hockey IQ about him or at least a developing one that he's understanding when and when not to pinch and not even just when and when not, but how to, how to approach that particular maneuver so that he doesn't become a defensive liability. And it really reminds me of when you remember when we switched over from Bruce Cassidy to, um, Oh, excuse me, from Claude Julian to Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, let him play. Really, you've really begun to watch the um, the D get activated. And I think that's what Connor Clifton has been doing lately is he's just realizing when to activate and when to remain um, as a defenseman. So good on him for really developing that hockey IQ. Yeah, he's, he's definitely earning Jay Leach's trust and, and, and getting those opportunities, saying, you know, if you have the opportunity, take care of it. Definitely. So, 
If that's um, if that's all we got, Josh. Yep. I... Yep. Yeah, I think I've uh, spent all my words for this particular episode. All right. Uh, again, thank you very much. Thank you for the responses that we've gotten. Uh, the feedback of the second hour prospect talk with Josh Beeman has been fantastic. Um, thanks again to everybody who listens and uh, and really supports us. Uh, you can find Josh at To Causeway on Twitter, and you can also follow him uh, in his writings at um, shippingupthecauseway.com website. Uh, Josh, thanks again. And, uh, you know, we, we do have a lot to talk about next weekend, so I'm always looking forward to, to reconnecting and, and talking some uh, Bruins prospects with you. Outstanding. Can't wait. Take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold 277, at Court Lalonde, and at Rob40Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.